Here we are on another Saturday morning on 95.3 WBCK Community Matters. It's a program focused on Battle Creek, Calhoun County, and issues therein. Voices from around our area talking about issues that you may wish to know about. Richard Pyatt here, happy to have you along. And by the way, you don't have to be with us on Saturday. You can hear those episodes anytime at battlecreekpodcast.com. Checking in once again with Representative Sarah Leitner of the 45th Michigan House District, which of course includes part of Calhoun County, for a legislative update just ahead of the fall session. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Richard. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. It's nice to, you know, check in every now and then and uh, see what's coming up. Obviously, we are going to be starting the fall session um, on the 5th. And, you know, there's a lot of issues that are coming before us, I think, still. Uh, I think you had a guest, you know, the other representative from the from Calhoun County was on talking about some labor issues. Um, you know, I've been in districts talking to small businesses in regards to that because there's, you know, a lot of serious concerns in regards to independent contracting um, with all kinds of different entities. Um, so I think that's one issue we're going to have to address one way or another because those bills are sitting out there. Just last week, uh, we talked with uh, Representative Jim Hotsman. We asked him about that because, of course, he... He sponsored the uh, independent contractor bill as it sits right now. And uh, just uh, to recap quickly, for those who might not have uh, have been tuned into that, uh, this is a, a bill not unlike has been passed in, in other states that tries to focus in on uh, what might be perceived as injustices and, and misuse of the so-called independent contractor designation that some companies are using to classify the employees or, well, really not employees, but people who do work for them. And uh, some states have passed that. There have been some amendments to them. But there's one right now that's sitting there in Lansing that that could pass. And I think, as uh, Jim Hotsma pointed out, uh, it has raised a little bit more angst this time because the Democrats have typically been the ones to float these, and the Democrats have the majority right now, and so it has made some folks in in certain labor circles a little nervous. But um, uh, Sarah's has some thoughts about that. I know you've been you've been talking about it in your travels. Uh, I will say, just for those of you who didn't hear him last week, he Jim Hotsma said that bill's not going anywhere the way it is, and there will be amendments to it. Does that make you feel better, Sarah? Well. I hope so. I hope that they have frank discussions with, you know, lots of entities, as you know, um, you know, I met with a lot of small business owners um, in the area at a, at a meeting and talked about this and talked about the impact it will have on their business. Um, You know, in every industry, I think there's always bad actors, right? But I don't feel like you should legislate for every single situation that's out there that you're going to you're going to come upon. Um, me as a small business owner myself too, you know, there's times we have to hire somebody, you know, and I get it. You know, there are people that run their business and they might hire somebody and say, oh, you got to sign up as an independent contractor um, and I'll just 1099 you, but they're setting their schedule and all that stuff. Again, like I said, there's bad actors in every industry. Now, fortunately, you know, we don't do that. And I know a lot of businesses that don't, but they really depend on them. So I hope that we have some fruitful conversation moving forward, if this does move forward, to have open and frank discussions on these things. So 
I'm, well, I'm looking yeah. forward to that and hope that they're true to their word and there's amendments and can make exceptions. But I think if you're having to make a ton of exceptions, probably a bad policy. So you probably shouldn't move it forward. Well, um, that, that does well, raise some questions, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's just something that probably will just, you know, die in committee and then move on. You know, I don't think it's necessary at this point, especially talking to different industries about this. It just, it's just not going to make it easy. It's already hard enough to find workers. Why do you want to make it more difficult? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. But the other issue, and I think I talked about it and touched on a little bit before, was we have a juvenile justice package coming up. Yeah. So, you know, we had the first hearing on that, and that talks about waivers for kids, risk assessment, you know, for judges, uh, indigent defense, because right now they're not they're not eligible for that, like adults are, um, state appellate defender's office. So there's just like a lot of technical changes. It's not necessarily a sexy package, um, but it's something that's needed and something, some reforms that we need to do in the child uh, juvenile justice arena. So, you know, I'm looking forward to more conversations on that. We've had some meetings um, over the summer on that with stakeholders um, because this is a nationwide trend. You know, we're trying to do do things to take care of our kids, but also put them on the right track. We want to make sure we hold them accountable for their actions, you know, not just, you know, oh, it's okay, you messed up and, you know, robbed the store with a gun. No, it's not. There are consequences for your actions. But there's technicalities through the process that we want to make sure kids have equal right to justice, just like adults do. That's a big package. It's a 20 bill package altogether. Um, 16 of them are bills I had worked on um, last year with the Juvenile Justice Task Force with the Justice Center from Council of State Governments, which is a bipartisan, bicameral um, organization. And, you know, they have lots of data because they deal with all the states, right? And so it's easier for them to pull together things and give us data on what other states have done, how it's working there, how it's not working there all of those things. So we're taking a lot of their information under advisement, talking to our stakeholders. Um, We'll be having some more serious discussions in the coming weeks. So that's coming up. And then another thing I just saw, apparently the majority floor leader is doing a package on solar, on permitting. Um, And as you guys know, I came from local government. So I'm a local government gal. You know, I believe that we should they are closest to the community, right? They're the closest to people at the right. township level. Um, and I believe that zoning should continue to work that way. Um, they know their area best. They've dealt with their own master plans um, and zoning and permitting. And quite frankly, I think our state has gotten so big, we do some things terribly. So I don't think zoning and permitting uh, is something that we need to, you know, step into, especially with the solar conversation. And as you know, you know, we have a lot of solar going up in Calhoun County. You know, it's been a huge point of contention and I get it. I'm also a personal property rights person too. So I'm like, you can't tell somebody what they can and cannot do with their land or who they can sell it to. However, that's why we have zoning ordinances, right? So you know, we have areas that are for industry, uh, industrial, agricultural, mixed use, whatever. But again, that's a community decision, I think. You know, you have in your master plan a set amount of each of those things. And 
Um, I think we should continue to leave it up to the local as far as permitting and zoning goes. So I haven't seen the bills yet, but I suspect I'm going to be in opposition of those. And the idea behind Um, those is to stimulate uh, more solar? Is that the idea? I think what they're trying to do is bump up the timeline for their clean energy plans. Ah. I think it's just a way to bypass the local and just go through their own agenda. Um, unfortunately, I think that's what's really happening. And really what we should do is step back and look at things and look at other sources of energy. We've looked at nuclear again. Nuclear has come a long way since it was started. And it's safe, it's clean. That's something that we're seriously going to have to look at. Solar and wind just aren't sustainable energy right now for us. Um, you think it has a role going forward, though, giving the... I think it does. But I think we can also utilize a lot of space that already exists. For instance, you know, I talked about this way back when I was on the county commission in Jackson. We have lots of barns downtown Jackson, okay, at the fairgrounds. We own almost 50 acres downtown. And we have the huge uh, grandstand that, to me, seems like a likely space to have solar panels. Mm. And then they're not in the way of anything, right? Right, right. And it's using existing space so you know there's things like that that can generate energy i personally have a hard time with taking good farmland and converting it to energy but i get it succession planning is a huge thing in the agricultural industry and you know more and more kids are leaving the farm or not staying on the farm or coming back to the farm our farmers age out what do they do you know what i mean but the other issue is We don't make new land and we don't know the consequences of stripping it because they take off all the topsoil and then putting those um, solar panels on there for 20, 30 years. Um, I think it'd be very difficult to feed that soil again. So, you know, it does make my heart sad when we have to sell out farmland for these big projects. I mean, I tend to go with the experts on that and the people that are on energy committee and talk to them about it and then just support my locals. Like I said, to me, that's a local decision and that's where I put my support. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because uh, I've heard that discussed as it relates to the blue oval megasite situation. Uh, One of the arguments for not having it has been, well, this is agricultural land. And I asked some of the folks in opposition of this, what do you want to have happen? But we want we would want the land to go back to the way it was. There's a perspective that it's too late for that, that we've gone past that in terms of uh, the prep work that's already been done on that land. But yeah, as you uh, focus forward, by the way, you talked about that juvenile justice task force. That was, uh, as you said, a bipartisan group. Our own sheriff was uh, also on that uh, task force. So your sense is that those bills are going to move forward. Uh, it's been carefully crafted, right? Well, they have been, but, um, you know, there's going to be amendments, obviously, you know, because our Legislative Service Bureau that actually drafts the bills isn't in in all of those meetings. And sometimes, so you'll give them the, the concept and say, this is what it needs to be, but, you know, there might be technical language that needs some changes. We're getting ready to have our 9-11 ceremony, and I actually, our sheriff is going to be my guest. So I told him I can't wait to see him and chat with him a little bit, because he was on this too. And actually him and I were one of the few that voted no on a couple of things, um, on a couple of concepts there. And so those I had didn't address in this package, 
um, on purpose because I didn't think it was necessary at the time. Um, and obviously having my own sheriff on there, I want to make sure I have his back as well. So we're going to have the 9-11 ceremony um, next week when we go back after Labor Day as well. Uh, so he will be my special guest as a first responder. It's a very uh, nice ceremony recognizing what happened in our nation, you know, on September 11th, 2001. Just honor and thank the people that are existing as well that are still serving our communities and just honor them and thank them. I know it's a small token of our appreciation, but it is something because it, it is a big deal. Well, those of us who who were alive then and watched that happen, first of all, it's hard to believe it's been this many years since then, but we know what that felt like watching that go down. I presume it was the same on uh, December 7, 1941. People uh, reading about that situation shortly after it happened, Pearl Harbor, for example. Uh, we know what that felt like, and it is. we feel obligated, don't we, to make sure that we keep acknowledging that. But it's hard, isn't it? Uh, babies have grown up since then. Sure. But it's also hard because I think so. Much, a lot of time has passed. And like to me, when you see that and you remember that, you're like, it helps you refocus your purpose. I think in like in my in my job, my atmosphere in the legislature. And I think that, you know, it's been long enough that some people forget. They forget that feeling. They forget where they were. They forget that we all came together as a nation and political lines didn't matter. It was a people issue. We want to protect our people. We want to make sure they're safe. You know, we have safe borders. We have safe planes. You know, we don't have to worry about going to daycare or going to work. You know, uh, taking our kids to daycare and going to work. And, you know, I think it just helps refocus and um, try not to be super partisan because, you know, I, this that's the worst part of this, you know, of, of our job is the partisan politics. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, sometimes I get grief because I'm more of a moderate Republican, but I think it's just because I'm pragmatic. I grew up in a rural community. We're a small community. We take care of our own. I feel like it's it's hard to stay grounded, but it's it's good to have your friends and you know, like going to the football game, my kids on varsity football, you know. It's just seeing those people and them talking to you about the issues and talking to you about just normal stuff. You know, you're still a normal person. Like don't treat me any different. And if I'm screwing up, you know, say it. I do wanna um kind of phase out of that and talk about going forward. You know, we did touch on blue oval a little bit earlier and you're talking about the grid and all that well they're gonna have to do another grid too basically their own little power plant there and you talk right. about sustainability and i think part of that will be solar but it's also just the regular grid right with probably consumers i'm guessing but you know at this point that project's moving forward again like i told you last time i voted against it i voted against funding it and appropriations I hope that I'm wrong and that they are successful and, again, that they prove us wrong on the return on investment. But, you know, I'm not spending any more resources on fighting that fight. It's a legal battle at this point. That's something that's beyond our purview. So I'm not dealing with that issue anymore. Now, as far as locals go, I think people need to continue to be involved locally uh, at the township level, know what's going on to help with situations like that. So that's kind of a statewide statement. 
you know, we're already beyond that, but we just need to be careful, you know, especially, you know, I know that the concern with the Chinese coming in is a huge concern. And that goes back, ties into, you know, what we were just talking about, about keeping our borders safe, keeping our state safe, keeping, you know, our people safe here in Michigan. Um, and that's been a huge concern and uh, with a lot of people. So I want to address that if you don't mind. Uh <laughs> You know, Ford has been pointed in saying, we're going to own this plant. Yep. There's going to be Ford employees here. The Chinese connection to that is simply that the Chinese have advanced this technology faster than the Americans have. And in spite of the political nature of, of relations between China and the United States, there is going to be some collaboration on on how to employ this technology. This is what we've been told. Uh, do you think people have read more into that than they should? Um, maybe. I mean, it's always a concern, right? Ford also did say that they are employing some of these Chinese. They have they have to. They feel like they have to for this project, right? And so that's a concern, especially with you know the political climate. Um, and the Chinese, you know, I think that if we're not careful, you know, they could just get their way in. I think it's a matter of national security. Um, and we just need to be careful. I think we need to be very careful. You talked about uh, partisanship and, and all of that. Before we go, I, I want to come back to that with you as well. It's interesting because your counterpart last week said something similar uh, you know, I think we really would benefit from uh, working together more than anything else, yet that's not typically what gets the attention. And then said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I think we're going to have more angst between Democrats and Republicans in Lansing, maybe more than we've had in recent sessions. Well, I think there's no question we are. We started the session off that way. And, um, you know, a lot of things were pushed through very quickly without uh, committee hearings, um, just discharged to the floor, very hyper-partisan political stuff. You look at right to work, uh, prevailing wage. And of course, then I get these groups, you know, like I did a group uh, with one of the schools and they were like, Sarah, oh my gosh, we did not expect prevailing wage. So when we did our bond in November, or, you know, went to people about the bond, um, it was this amount of money, but now with prevailing wage, if we accept state money, we have to do prevailing wage. And I'm like, yep. And they're like, this project's going to cost us $5 million more million. Wow. And I'm like, well, that's unfortunate. Elections have consequences. That's what I keep telling people. Okay. And like I said earlier, it has been hyperpartisan. I hate that about this. I was not like that. Probably I've gotten more partisan in the last two years. But before that, I felt like it was relatively easy. And maybe it's because Republicans got comfortable. I don't know. But now we're having to fight a lot harder, for sure, for issues. And, you know, it's better when you, like, file bills to have both parties and both chambers on those bills. Right. So, like, juvenile justice bills, bipartisan, bicameral, House and Senate, and we're all working together on those because... We have a focus. The focus is on making sure kids are held accountable for their actions, but also that they're not a lost cause. We want to make sure that these kids are productive members of society moving forward. That is a people issue that we need to all focus on, come together, and get it done. And I think we will. 
because it's a, not political. It's yeah, more more of us agree on that together. Yeah, yeah, right. Hopefully, we can get over that hump and come together and be more reasonable. Uh, but it's a very heated climate right now. Yeah, I think that, um, and I think I've talked about this with others too. That it's simply the way it is, right? When when there's an opportunity for one party or another because they have the majority this is the playbook, right? Let's get through what we have power over before we don't have power over it anymore. Yeah. The bad Ah. thing is though, it's like, you know, it's going to flip flop at some point. Right. 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 And then likely Republicans will come in power again and then we'll reverse a lot of these things. Well, then it's going to happen again. You know what I mean? Where it'll flip again. It's just, it's so extreme right now. I think it's very extreme moving forward. You know, I'm on budget stuff, not necessarily policy as much, but, you know, we had a conversation um, just a few weeks ago, me and uh, Chair Whitwer and uh, Director Harkins on moving forward into the next budget, right? Because all the money got spent. So I'm like, all right, let's just do a baseline, take out all the one time, bam, our budget's mostly done. And, oh, by the way, can we do a negative supplemental? Because I want to take back some money in a couple of these areas. <laughs> so, you know, it's easier to say no when there's no money, right? But um, we do have to be cognizant of the dollars we are spending. These are taxpayer dollars. I prefer to put money back in people's pockets. You know, there's this whole rollback that is in um, in litigation now. But, you know, I think that will prevail and people get to continue to keep more of their paycheck. We'll stay in touch. And certainly as a uh, session gets underway, uh, we'll look forward to the next visit. Thanks for having me. And if anyone has any issues, you know, they can reach out to my office. Um, emails the best way. It's sarahleitner at house.mi.gov. Reach out and uh, talk to me, talk to Angela on any other issues that are coming up or that I should be aware of. Because one of the other things I tell people is don't assume we know. We just can't possibly know everything. So they can get a hold of us that way and let us know what's going on and see if we can help. And like always, we'll link uh, the uh, link to Sarah's website right in the show notes for this episode at BattleCreekPodcast.com. And that that email is uh, listed there and linked there as well. So if you're not able to write it down right now, you can find it and do that later. And I can attest, uh, Angela, in your office is receptive and answers those. So uh, anyone can do that. Representative Sarah Leitner, 45th District, Michigan House. Thank you. Thank you. 